0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of React Roundup. We are going to be doing a panelist episode today, so I am your host today, Paige Niedringhaus, and I am joined by Jack Harrington. Hello. And T.J. Van Tol. Hey, everybody. So today we are going to be talking about red flags, and they could be red flags that you encounter during a job interview on your current development team, maybe evaluating new software that your team is going to be using, or just any kind of red flag that you come across in your day-to-day job.
1: Hey folks, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately I've been working on actually building out Top End Devs. If you're interested, you can go to topenddevs.com slash podcast, and you can actually hear a little bit more about my story, about why I'm doing what I'm doing with Top End Devs, why I changed it from uh, devchat.tv to Top End Devs. But, What I really want to get into is that I have decided that I'm going to build the platform that I always wished I had with devchat.tv, and I renamed it to Top End Devs because I want to give you the resources that are gonna help you to build the career that you want. right? So whether you wanna be an influencer in tech, Once again, that's topenddev.com.
0: So I am going to kick us off with the first red flag that I have encountered while interviewing for new jobs. And that is the interview that is too that is moving too fast. And typically Mm. this is yeah, typically it's the opposite. It's, you know, Mm -hmm. you go in for the interview. You don't hear back ever, or it takes them just a- absolute ages. Especially with the larger tech companies, I've heard this is the process. But I've definitely been in some interviews with smaller companies where you send your resume in, and that afternoon you hear back, and they want you to come in tomorrow or the day after tomorrow and just drop everything <laughs> and get in there. And you start
2: an tomorrow, though.
0: right? <laughs> and they, yeah, and then if you pass that interview, they want you in next week. So that is. To me, that is a massive red flag that there is something going on. And of course, the good thing to do when this kind of thing is happening is to first push back because you still most likely have another job that you need to respect and to do, but also ask why. And it's great if the if you get an answer like, we just won a, a big contract, and so we need to scale up quickly to meet these needs. Or... We just promoted one of our people into a new role, a higher role, so we need to fill this one. But even if those are the reasons that you're getting, there should be some explanation as to why they are so strapped for right. having you start that soon. So that, to me, yeah. is just kind of a, a big what's going on here. There's There should be more respect as this company gives to you and your current employment situation. And they should really want to evaluate you to be the best fit for this team, not just find anybody who can write code and and get them.
3: Yeah, I think it follows the the adage if it sounds too good to be true right if you're oh yeah right like so if you're being offered something right away like no questions asked like you should always be (laughs) like you said ask questions there's there but be skeptical just approach it with that mindset
2: Mm -hmm. it's the old schoolyard thing of like if the person's talking trash about you they're probably talking trash about other people right and that's the same thing if they're hiring anybody they hired anybody right and you don't know who you're going to be working with they could be yeah, you know, somebody that basically has a pulse and has no idea how to code, you know, mm-hmm. and writes just shockingly unmaintainable code. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And if it's too easy to get into, that is a big red flag. In fact, actually, I would say the corollary, which is the the best jobs I've had are often the ones that they're not not always slow, but it's very methodical as to how they go about like hiring folks, and they're mm-hmm. very you, know, you could tell that they put a lot of effort into like making sure that they get really, really quality folks in the job.
0: Yeah. I mean, I know that it's hard being on the interviewee and where you have to go through multiple rounds of interviews, but at least two or three make me feel like I'm getting a good feel for how this company communicates with me as an, a candidate, how the people on the team, you know, I get to meet multiples of them or I want to meet multiple people on the team that I'll probably be working with. And just kind of a, a better sense for what is a, a normal time frame for them. You know, is it really quick or is it very, you know, every two weeks or every week or whatever? Just, yeah, I, I want to go through multiple rounds, even though we also just want to get hired and get the job and get, start doing whatever it is we're doing. And I'll just add on to
2: that. If it's if the interview process is, is externally poorly organized. Mm-hmm. then chances are the company itself is internally poorly organized. Like, yes. you know, if people don't show up to interviews, like you show up as the candidate and we don't show up, mm-hmm. that's a bad sign, right? Or, you know, it's a level of professionalism, but it's also a level of, you know, just organization. That's a that's a bad sign to look out for.
0: Yeah, Totally. So who wants to take another red flag?
2: All right, well, I will. So magic numbers in code bases. You know, we talk about different things. It could be hiring, it could be this and that. But, you know, if you get into the code and there's magic strings, magic numbers all over the place, that is like a a deep red flag to me of just overall poor, poor code quality and poor code quality standards. Like, it's just the absolute basic level stuff and at that point you know i if it's important i kind of look to i as an action item i'm gonna either refactor it or you know try and get that uh changed out of code base and or try and insulate it so that at least i'm our <laughs> on the side that i'm working on like i'm not exposed necessarily to those magic numbers it's like well i don't know what happened but came back bad and that's bad yeah that kind of thing so that would be code wise of a big red flag for me
3: yeah, I think related to just getting into code quality, there's there's always the like the one the company that has the like four thousand line file that does like, oh. the most, that yeah. does like the most important thing because I've I've ran across several of those types of situations mm-hmm. where the, you have the one entry point that does all of this magic and <laughs> nobody really understands how it works because some person wrote it five or 10 years ago and everybody's afraid to touch it because it does yep. this important task. And usually that's some sort of a red flag of just poor attention. Like it, it happens. Like I've been a part of you know, software is hard. So sometimes these things happen, but, <laughs> but I usually that's a red flag that not enough care was taking, taken to architect that and to maintain it and to keep it manageable and approachable over time, too.
0: Yeah, I've definitely encountered those. I had to once try and maintain one of those code bases. Mm-hmm. And it was mm-hmm. such a it was such a snarl of code that there was actually a memory leak in the application in production because we had just this massive object that would load every time the browser loaded and it usually wouldn't crash the system but every once in a while you know somebody's computer would just go down because they had been on the site too long and the memory had <laughs> like gotten too large but yeah those are those are awful systems but it was one of those things that for the longest time we could not retire it because it did some really important stuff that we just hadn't replicated in a better way yet but yeah those are those are terrible and I hope that as a developer, you don't have to work on one of those systems. But at one point or another, you probably will. <laughs> it's, it's a sad truth.
2: Yeah. And if you want to get rid of it, th- th- what you need to do is you need to first build the unit tests around it. And there, um, there won't be unit tests. No. Like, there will oh, not no. be unit tests. There, there will never be unit tests around that it. <laughs> never. never. Never, never, never. <laughs> right? Before you touch it, you may, I mean, come and think yourself like a surgeon. you got to make the field sterile right? You know, before you start slicing on somebody, right? And, <laughs> you know, in this case, that's unit test. And you want to make sure that you have unit test and the unit tests absolutely test the existing behavior, right or wrong, right or wrong. They are the existing behavior. And then you can start going and like actually re- changing out the magic numbers and doing whatever, whatever, because there might be, <laughs> there might be other pieces of code that actually depend on the bad behavior. And I've definitely seen that too, where it's like, no, you have to replicate existing behavior.
3: Yeah. And the reason to do that is because then when you, when you make changes, you can trust that your changes aren't going to break this important production production process too. I remember working like it, tests can totally change the game because I remember back in the day, probably some of the gnarliest code I've, ever seen was the jQuery UI date picker. Like, I think everybody everybody knows that thing. It's got such a, like, I still run into them all the time. And that thing was a mess under the hood, like tons Mm -hmm. of code. But the thing is, it was pretty well tested. So if you went in there, like back in my very early software days, I was trying to help people with some issues on that thing. And you could at least go in there and tinker around and feel confident that you weren't going to, like, break every date picker on the internet, because especially <laughs> for something like that, like dates are very unit test friendly, right? Like I pass in this random string, and I expect this sort of thing to happen. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So even like really complicated stuff, you can with a good test suite, make it approachable. Mm-hmm. So I really like that is like a first step.
2: Yeah, I would never do anything with dates that wasn't unit tested. Yeah, because there's always no. there's so many weird error, you know, like, like edge yeah. cases of the you know, leap year and all that insanity
0: and time zones. (laughs) Oh, oh,
2: God. Yes.
0: (laughs) Well, that's that's actually a really good segue, TJ. So my my next red flag I'm going to jump off a cliff for is when you're actually evaluating new libraries to add to an existing project. So, you know, you get to the point where you need a date formatting library or you need a modal library or a carousel or whatever, and you start looking around at the different options on the web, I would highly encourage you to not probably choose the first thing that NPM (laughs) serves up when you Google, you know, I need a chart library. I mean, it might, it very well might be a good one, but please just look at two or three options and look at things like... (laughs) the repo how how recently has it been maintained how recently has new code been pushed to it are there a whole bunch of open issues that the maintainer has not addressed how many other people are downloading this weekly or monthly do some do some homework because you can really it doesn't take a whole lot of digging to figure out is this a well-maintained well-liked well-used package or not there might only be six people who are using it, and it may have not been <laughs> updated in three years. So, just just do a little bit of research before you take the first thing that pops up on your Google search.
3: Yeah, and to combine our previous two tips, like I usually also look for test coverage in the repos mm. because, and it, that it depends a little bit on what exactly type of library you are using, but it gives you those same assurances that these people are taking this library seriously. If they're taking the time to test their own stuff out, it gives you a little more confidence that before you bring it in.
0: Yes.
2: I have a huge recommendation for MPM Trends. I don't know if you guys have seen that site, but it's a fantastic site where you basically, you put in any library, you know, Luxon for dates, Mm -hmm. right? Or something like that. And it gives you, one, the trend line of downloads for the past X number of years. So you can definitely see a trend. Is it going up? Is it going down? Is it going flattening? And then even cooler, it actually gives you like a bunch of competitive, not competitive, I would say like libraries that do the same thing, right? So it does like, you know, date FNs or whatever. And you can just literally hit like plus on those and see the downloads. And they also tell you as to your point page about like, how recently have they been updated? You know, because it's not just the if, if library X has 5 million downloads and library Y has 2 million You know, just pick the 5 million because that 5 million might be flattening and maybe hasn't been updated, maybe deprecated, you know, and then that's, it's that 3 million one that's uh, on the, that's the replacement one. It's on the rise. It hasn't gotten there yet, but it, you know, it will eventually. And so, you want to pick the one that's on, on the rise, that's getting maintained, it's has updates recently and all that sort of stuff.
3: Yeah. It's tough. It's like, you want to evaluate all of these things because chances are you won't find the thing that meets all your your criteria, like. Maybe you find a library that hasn't been updated in a while, but is doesn't have a whole lot of open issues, right? Because it mostly solved the problem quite well, and that could be totally fine. So you mm-hmm. just have to weigh all of these things. Uh, but those are definitely some some red flags to keep in mind.
2: Okay, so I've got one on the management side of the house. And this is one that I've experienced, and, and it's, it's a tough one. But yeah, you know, if you have a manager where if you go in, you'll get a yes answer and then if if somebody else goes in they'll get a yes answer and the person's just basically answering yes to everything that comes in the door mm-hmm. right that is a serious like problem you know because that person's not actually trying to steer they don't have a vision they don't have a direction for where they want to go they're just trying to make everybody happy
3: mm-hmm.
2: and what you'll get into is you'll you'll have some issues down the line where uh yeah i think the direction I want to go is is the is where we're going to go, and then somebody else thinks you know a similar their direction is the way they want to go, and we'll end up butting heads. Mm-hmm. And of course, that that person is never going to go and help us work that out. And honestly, I don't know how to get around that. I, I, I think that to me would just be if I if I saw that over and over and over again, that would just be a red flag, and I'd just be like, yeah, I I can't work on this. Yeah, I, this is not a tenable management situation for me.
3: Yeah, kind of related. A red flag that is something I've ran into several times is when you have somebody at a company that everybody knows is like doing nothing or not performing mm. at all, but the company keeps that person around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've been in that situation several times and it's it's hard because nobody wants to be the manager that steps in and has to fire someone or let someone go. But there has to be some point where you're willing to take that step because if you allow someone to completely languish it just brings down the morale of an entire team Mm and like you end up like talking behind people's backs and having like it it just creates a bad culture like so i don't i don't think you should necessarily i'm not like suggesting like always be firing people that aren't doing much i'm talking (laughs) the red flag here is only like when it's egregious and Everybody knows that this person is not really doing anything because mm. you'd be surprised. I've ran into this situation at multiple different companies, but they just refuse to get let go of that person, which is usually a sign that uh, it's 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 not a a management group that's willing to to, to take action to help improve the team essentially,
2: and yes. they're not dedicated to quality in the company.
0: Yeah, yeah, this is definitely a common scenario. I think that happens at larger companies a lot. Oh, yeah. And part of it is that they just don't I think they have the money that they know they can just keep this person on and pay them and let them not really do anything useful but it won't affect the bottom line that much and it'll probably be more of a pain to get rid of them and then potentially yeah. face blowback in the form of, you know, lawsuits or just a, a really disgruntled former employee. But yeah, I think that's, that's common in all but the smaller startup or early stage companies, I think, where you can't really hide because everybody has more work than they have time to do.
2: <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Big companies, they just move people around.
0: Yeah. Right. That's it. They just reshuffle. Yeah, they,
2: exactly. They re- reshuffle and then they wait for the layoffs. And then when mm-hmm. the layoffs come, then they're like, okay, so brrr, here's that list of people that, you know, eventually we'll just move on to the next yeah. job yeah. What's interesting to me is later on, I've worked with people who have been stagnant in those positions before, and then worked with them again in different jobs, and it really shouldn't because and it's been it's been great, right? And that, it's interesting to me. Oftentimes, a person's performance is very contextual. Like, are they in a system that will help them do really well, kind mm-hmm. of thing? Yeah. Yeah. Because you shouldn't judge too harshly,
3: because you have no idea what's going on in person's yeah. lives. Maybe it is like it's something that they're just not interested in working on. You, you mm-hmm. know, you never know the situation. But if but if they are truly not doing anything for the company that they're getting paid for, you would you would want somebody to step in.
0: Yeah. So. Well, another one that's kind of a red flag along those same lines is people who are trying to do a side hustle at the same time that they're trying to do their job. And I've, I've seen this in a couple of companies that I've worked for. And one of them, it was, it was more, I guess, acceptable because he was doing his work, his side hustle, mostly outside of work. I say mostly because we all knew that sometimes he was doing like design work for other clients, not, not outside of work. But there, but there also have been instances where I, I saw a guy like trying to poach developers from the company that we worked for to work on his startup idea, and I'm pretty sure that that is not (laughs) not a kosher thing to be (laughs) doing. That's
2: not okay.
0: No, and I mean the developers that he was trying to get to work for him, he was doing the same kind of thing where he was like, "Oh, we'd work on it after hours or on weekends or stuff like that." Which, if you if you want to do that, okay. But you have to be so careful with, you know, what machine are you using? If it's a company machine, yeah. they could potentially come after you. If you're talking about it during company hours or on company property, probably there's some liability that you're opening yourself up to there. So it just, I guess, if you're on a team or being approached about something like this, just be so, so, so careful, especially if it's something that could turn into the next Facebook or or even something smaller, but also is going to pay you money because that's when you get into really murky waters about what what's the right way to do this so that somebody isn't able to claim ownership to something that you worked on or made profit from who shouldn't be able to. Well,
3: and I'd say a related red flag is if they're not willing to pay you money too. like if or they're not. just saying, I've got this interesting you. new app idea and I'm looking for you no. to work on it on nights and weekends sort of thing right if they're not willing to to pay you something or compensate you for your time i would be incredibly skeptical and that applies even for like friends and family too like it's one thing if you're doing a very quick favor but in my experience almost all the time those sorts of things turn into way bigger time sinks than you can imagine Mm-hmm. Like, if you're developing something like an app or something for a friend or family, it usually doesn't end just at the beginning. They'll want more stuff. They'll need to host <laughs> it somewhere. They won't know how hosting works. So all of a sudden, hosting's <laughs> your problem forever.
0: An <laughs> email support, <laughs> right?
3: Yeah. Right, right, right. And it's just a. Uh, it, don't go down that path without a very good reason to do so. I'm not going to say never, right? Like there might be something very important to you or your friends or family, which great, just know what you're getting into if you're in that sort of situation and you're being asked to do something just just to do it as a favor or something like that. And if you wrote it
2: and you didn't get paid for it, then just make sure that you have talked to the person and you that you that and tell them you own it. Like I own this right I, you didn't pay me for it i still own it like right? mm-hmm. if you're going to like put it on a resume or you know make it open source or something like that you know if they not pay you then you own it
0: yeah so, i would say don't don't do the family th- friends and family thing if you can avoid it that's that's just opening yeah. yourself up to losing that friendship or really damaging that family member relationship yeah. i think in the for the most part
2: it's <laughs>
3: It's good so to have a couple, up. like, it's good to have a couple recommendations handy. Like, I, I, Squarespace is still my, like, go-to. Like, if people will say, like, I need a website, I'll say, like, well, you don't want to use me.
2: No. Um, <laughs> I guess, okay, look, I, I just want to put on there that, like, side hustles are okay, though. Like, I mean, speaking as three people who are side hustling right now, right? None of us get paid for React Roundup. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, I grew up in Miami back in the day. It was my twenties, and I remember that is a town where like side hustling is everything. I remember I was walking you know, I was at the University of Miami, and I was going around working, you know, doing papers. And I would get somebody, you know, to, you know somebody signed paper, and they're like, open up the the drawer, and they're like, hey, would you like to buy some rings? I'm like wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) Literally like, I mean, they open up their
0: coat out of the office. Right. Yes. Rolexes, Right.
2: Which is like, okay, whoa, that's a bit, but you know, I mean, there, there are great stories of like, I think side hustling is almost part of the culture. Like, you know, the, uh, was it? Um, Wozniak was at HP for a year, basically moonlighting essentially at Apple before he he got the confidence to like, okay, maybe this Apple thing will work out eventually. And sure. moved over to Apple, you know, you know, yeah.
0: But that, yeah, this is part of the part of the deal. It's just be ethical about
2: it. I think is yeah. Let's be
0: point. smart about it, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. and Be professional.
2: Yeah, I think
3: the red flags are people that are not doing the side hustle right or trying to cheat the system, sort of thing, because yeah. that's that's quite common as well.
0: <laughs> yeah,
2: and definitely not during the day job. And user and as a page said, use your own hard work. Like that's absolutely because there are and when you get into a job that. Normally, the contract is like, hey, anything on our hardware on our time is ours, is ours,
0: mm-hmm.
2: straight up. And I don't think I've ever seen anybody enforce it, but better not to deal with that.
1: Hi, this is Charles Maxwood from Top End Devs. And lately, I've been coaching some people on starting some podcasts and in some cases, just taking their career to the next level. You know, whether you're beginner going to intermediate intermediate going to advanced, whether you're trying to get noticed in the community or go freelance. I've been helping these folks figure out how to get in front of people, how to build relationships and how to build their careers and max out and, and just go to the next level. So if you're interested in talking to me and having me help you go to the next level, go to topendevs.com slash coaching. I will give you a one hour free session where we can figure out what you're trying to do, where you're trying to go and figure out what the next steps are. And then from there, we can figure out how to get you to the place you want to go. So once again, that's topendevs.com slash coaching.
0: Right. I mean, i I agree with you that I have not seen it enforced, but I've also not invented something like Wordle that
2: <laughs> know, right. just yes. took yes. off yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it just went viral right. like nobody's business. And then somebody wanted to acquire it for probably millions of dollars. So right. I think You're in a that case company
2: and they're like, whoa, right, You made Wordle. Wordle. <laughs>
0: So I think we're entitled to part of it.
2: <laughs> I, okay, I'll segue off this. So I'll try and do a smooth segue, like like Paige. With uh, single person projects, I I don't think I've ever seen a really good single person project at a company, and they, it's always been kind of a red flag to me that you only got a single maintainer on this thing. And if it's important, you should have multiple people working on it. And even really senior folks, I've seen they just. You, when nobody's reviewing the code and nobody's looking over your shoulder, you can take the, you know, you, the, the shortcuts kind of slip in from time to time and you end up invariably not having the best possible code base coming out of that.
3: Yeah. I can plus one that as someone who has recently spent a, decent amount of time at blues working on like a single person project (laughs) and I was the single person I could say that sometimes you get thrown into those situations whether you anticipate them or not but it definitely like it's funny too because going back I had to make a small change to that project and jumping back into it you feel like like a little bit dirty like it's like oh I, I probably shouldn't have done it this way or whatever but It made total sense in my head at the time, right? Because then you have nobody else to say any different. So great.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I think that a single person app, like you said, is probably not going to be the best. But also working with a team that is very strong in one part of the stack and not having some people who are kind of really good at one portion is probably... Not necessarily a red flag, but it's just going to make whatever you're doing harder. Mm -hmm. So if you have a whole bunch of back-end engineers who are really good at Java, but not really good at front-end stuff, and you have to build a full-stack application, you're just asking for more pain than necessarily needs to be there. So if you you know that you're building a full-stack app, try and get some people who like front-end, who are good at CSS and know about React and, you know, front-end frameworks. Try to get some people who are great at back-end because I'm sure APIs are probably going to come into the picture. And maybe even try and get some people who are good at DevOps because you're going to have to deploy and host this somehow. So, you know, if you have the option or if you're trying to build out a team for a new project, just try and keep in mind, what is this actually going to be? If it's going to be an API only app that is consumed by others, then great back end, you know, strong chops all the way. But if, if you're going to have a front end with users, get a designer, get some UI people, get some back end engineers, try and not just go too heavy on one part of the stack, unless you know, that's all it's going to be, I guess.
2: Well, here's here's an interesting question for you. So, if you are, if you get a request from a company, Hey, we want to hire you. Right. And you're in, you know, you're in hiring mode. You're like, Okay, I'm looking around kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and you look at their site and are there red flags that are literally just like you look at the page and you're like, Oh man, I'm not going to work for these folks. Like this is a janky page. It's mm-hmm. not there. There's not a lot of detail here. It's not the cust- who the customers are. Isn't clear. Are there are there red flags like that?
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I like to inspect pages with dev tools for all sure. sorts of reasons. Yeah. So if I see a whole bunch of jQuery shoved into that page, that's kind of a tip-off that maybe this is not the most forward-thinking company. Same for just like zero design sensibilities, especially if you start to look at it in different screen sizes. Like if they don't have a mobile phone oh, right. site, that's, <laughs> that's a problem. I um,
3: feel like especially as front-end developers, we have a more... We're more critical, I'd Mm -hmm. say, of like a company's public web presence. Because part of it is like, if I get hired to work there, I'm probably going to have to work on this thing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So Yeah. It's going to be good.
2: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And in in a weird way, you kind of can judge a book by a cover in this Mm -hmm. case. You know, another thing, another cool thing is if you, if you get a request from a company like that, and then you say, well, that's great. But I want to look at your product first. And they're really kind of mm, I don't know they don't have like a test account you can look at or anything like that. that's a little red flaggy too or actually very red flaggy to me uh you know and that like, usually the 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 dot com code base the marketing code base is one thing, and then the actual product is something entirely like different and so if you ask to get creds and go in there and then you can take a look around you can you know Really like get in there and get the inspector going like oh my god you're running on you know debug react what are you doing here? like this is crazy
0: <laughs> your payloads <That's-> are crazy <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one another one that kind of goes along with that is the recruiting emails that you get like if oh, I yeah. see if I and I I get a lot and I delete pretty much all of them but if I get one where it's something either some technology that I mentioned once and worked with years ago, and that's what they're asking for, that's definitely the first thing that is a massive red flag and not going to get a response from me. So if it's like Java, which I worked with five years ago and don't like, I want to be, I like her, and <laughs> that's definitely not going to happen. Yeah. And then an- another one is when they start using marketing buzzwords, like star developer or... Oh, uh, yeah, anything like that, n- net ninja, or just you know something that just makes you roll your eyes, that's also never going to get a response from me just personally.
3: It's usually a sign that the person reaching out is just a generic recruiter that it, it it's it's a tell in a sense because if one of us were to send an email that we were interested in hiring someone, we would never phrase it that way, right? And that sort of thing comes through. So mm-hmm. if you can tell, that this was written by a recruiter and not like, I, I guess I can flip this as advice is like, if you're looking to hire someone, like write that email yourself, because it'll it'll yeah. be yeah. very no, it'll be very noticeable that it's it it coming car. through in your voice. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: Cause it'll feel- I, I, it'll I love feel it more, when I yeah. get, I love it when I get a CTO, right? Who spends the time to like, oh, I'm looking for principal, whatever, you know, yada, yada folks. And mm-hmm. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna look at your resume look at your LinkedIn, look at what you've done. And I'm going to write us. Like, yeah, that's the way to go for sure. I would, I never ignore that. I'm always like, oh, and I, and I take the, I try and reciprocate. which is part of like just human nature. We're all reciprocal. You know, it's like you do something for me, I'll do something for you kind of thing. And so, yeah, if you can put some skin in the game. And yeah, I, I heard this great term a couple of days ago, yoga babble. It's like the new term for like CEOs who just kind of like just, just, Whatever they say is just mush, you know. It's like <laughs> engaging with the blah 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 blah, and when you see that, to me, that's a red flag as well. Like kind of like, hey, you have eighteen paragraphs of text about what the product does, but none of it makes any amount of sense, and it's all just entire boilerplatey
3: nonsense. Well, phrasing it that way too. That's when you asked about when you're evaluating a company's web page or website. What do you what are you looking for? And for me, one of the biggest things is I want to clearly be able to understand what the company does from their webpage. Mm -hmm. Like, so it's really like, that's crazy. Right. (laughs) You'd you'd be surprised in the tech world. Like I've, I've definitely seen, my wife was looking for like uh, about a year, two years ago. So I was looking at a bunch of these things and you'd be surprised how many sites you'd look at them and you have absolutely no clue because it's full of Marketing mumbo jumbo. I think mm-hmm. that's the the outdated term for the uh yeah, for yoga babble. <laughs> yeah, for yoga, yoga battle but yeah. <laughs> but uh just like complete nonsense on the web page and you can't tell what this company does. I consider that a red flag because yeah, mm-hmm. because other people that view that site that are in their market are also gonna struggle to know what the heck this company is doing. And so it's usually just a bad sign in general.
0: Yeah. I
2: guess I Building on that, I yesterday I attended this one-hour, you know, kind of walkthrough of Redwood JS, which is kind of building on I, I would say like a not that competitor with Next, sort of more of like a Rails kind of thing applied to React. It was just fascinating, by the way. And their their positioning is all the framework for startups, right? And it's it, they drill down on that, like we're going to give you everything, we're going to give you auth, we're going to give you DB, we're going to give you, and we're going to we understand what startups need. And we understand, like, this is your framework. And they've actually, like, they've followed through on the messaging all the way to, like, they bring in startups, like, this is how we used it, da da, da, da. And it was just very clear and consistent all the way from, like, the homepage all the way through the product and into, like, the marketing and everything. So I thought that was... Not that we got to go all gaga about JS. I just thought that that was, like, that's right. That's perfect to me. Because you can go too far, you can go into the tech weeds way too mm. far. And you can go way too light and have it just be babble. But like you just nailing it right down the center is really nice to see.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you can elevator pitch the business or understand what their elevator pitch is from without a whole lot of effort on your end, that that's a good thing. But not being able to understand anything of what they're talking about because they don't really tell you what they're doing. That's terrible. (laughs) And that's that's actually kind of a good a good segue into another red flag that I've noticed, especially when you're interviewing which is, if you are getting to talk to the team that you'll probably be working with, mm-hmm. trying to get a sense of who they are as developers. Like, you'll, you'll be able to tell just because we interact with people all day in some capacity or another. Like, these are people who are open. This is a team that has a lot of trust internally. People aren't afraid to crack jokes and say, you know, I think we should go this way. Or you'll get the idea that there is like one person on the team who is the lead and what they <sighs> say is the law and we don't go against the team lead. So that's that's something to definitely be aware for is what, is, what are the team dynamics? Is it a place where it's safe and, you know, younger, earlier, earlier career developers can get good mentoring? Or is it very much cutthroat, you know, whoever finds the bug fastest, it gets some sort of an internal point. And that's the the deal is to like, be competitive versus being a supportive collaborative team.
2: Yeah, that one Uber person who leads a team, I've never seen that work out well. And I've seen it work out really really badly. Actually, I've seen a team follow a lead off the cliff as the the lead went up (laughs) against the VPs. And then was like, No, 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 I'm gonna do it my own way. And and after a while, the reviewers are just like, yeah, no, we're we're gonna lay off the whole team. Thank you. You know, that, yeah. Yeah. that was not good. And watch out for that power dynamic of the, the one Uber developer.
3: I think like on the concept of interview is I think the last one I have for this is I'm always I consider vague answers during an interview to be a red flag. So during an interview, I one of the one piece of advice I usually give to people is you should have some of your own questions prepared just about the company about what they do Uh, and they can be blunt questions because i mean Mm. you're you know you're putting a lot of your time forth and you're technically uh working for this company full-time that's you're putting a lot of your own personal investment in it so you can ask questions like how do you make money what is what is your roadmap? how do you intend to make more money what's what are your growth strategies and things like that and if you get answers that are not very clear, that's usually a bad sign, Uh, because normally, especially like, um, and those are the types of questions you'd ask, maybe not to the development team, but usually if you speak to somebody else at the company along the process, Mm -hmm. uh, especially if those types of people don't have plans of like, here's where our product or whatever it is, our service or whatever it is we're doing, here's where we're headed with this, here's our clear vision of the future. If that's not very clear, that's usually not good.
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. And also not meeting anybody from the team that you're going to be working on during the interview, to me, is a red flag. If, 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 if the entire interview process is basically, hey, we're just going to bring on people who are good interviewers from rando teams. And that's our, our our interviewing team squad, you know, and you don't actually meet anybody that's on the team. Right. Like, you ask for that. And if you don't get that, well, then, yeah, hasta la vista. Because that's just there's. Yeah. And you don't want to know the people like, you're working with. And if you don't, then maybe you're in a in a pool programming system and you have no idea what you're going to be working on on
3: mm-hmm. a given week.
2: Yeah. Well, and
3: to Paige's point two of just wanting to sort of meet the team and like, it's amazing how much you can pick up on that. It's almost like subconscious, right? Like, cause mm-hmm. usually when you leave an interview, the most important thing is like, whether you get like good vibes or bad vibes, which is mm-hmm. it's which is a almost impossible thing to define because I feel like it's just how well you connect with people because there's sometimes where just like any person, any personal relationship, right? Sometimes you click with people and sometimes you don't. And that's yeah. so sometimes they can be all reasonably good people, but if you just have no interests in common, you're just coming from different places in life or whatever, that can be fine, but it might not be the greatest place to work if you're just have nothing in common or no, you know, no connection, with a team of people that you're going to be spending a lot of time with if you get a job and work with them. So
0: Mm -hmm. yeah, it's a very squishy thing to try and define but go with your gut because you'll just get good vibes or bad vibes when you go into the office to interview or when you do the zoom calls or whatever. And that's don't discount that even though it sounds great on paper or it checks the boxes that you have. In other ways, if you don't get a good interpersonal connection or vibe I would, I would really listen to that.
2: Yeah, yeah. And if you go through an interview process and you met five people, and four of them were just great, boy, you would love to hang out with these people, and they were just wonderful. And then the fifth person is just kind of, oh God, I don't really want to work with. You. <laughs> oh, yeesh, that guy was not fun. I guarantee you your job will be with that fifth person, whatever it is, Like you will, you, you will be, well, I, you know, you think to yourself, well, was, I only have to deal with that person once a year. That's okay. No, 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 no. That will be the person you will have to deal with daily. So, you know, yeah. Like, yes, get that vibe. They say that interviews are won and lost in the first 30 seconds. And, and they usually apply that to the interviewer versus the interviewee. Like, you know, you walk in the door and they get the read on you. And the rest of the time, they're just trying to justify whatever that read was to themselves, right? Same thing applies with directions. Like you you meet somebody and you're just like, eh, uh, uh, I just mm. like the way that they carry themselves is not respectful or whatever. Yeah, listen to your gut on that one for sure.
0: Well, cool. Are there any other red flags that you guys can think of that we should share? No, I don't know.
3: If you, were good, but, if, if you follow our advice, it's guaranteed success at this point. If you listen, to all <laughs> truth, you,
1: you can't, yes. you can't go wrong.
3: We, we, we covered we everything it. comprehensively. So yes, I think no people are great. The universe. <laughs> yes, done. Yes. Oh. We, could, we could do a second episode on like real life red flags. I don't know if I, I don't know if we have an audience for that though.
0: <laughs> I mean, one, one other thing that I can think of that I always tend to do and it doesn't work with every company. It usually has to be a, a larger company is try to look up their, their reviews from employees on Glassdoor or one of those other ones where employees can write in and say, this is what I thought of the company. And I have a feeling that you need to take it with a grain of salt because most people who are probably writing on Glassdoor are probably not doing it because they love the company. Although, <laughs> you know, you do see those, but just just do a, a cursory glance of that kind of stuff to try and get a feel for because. If there is something that is off, a lot of times you'll start to see it appear in multiple people who wrote reviews like the this manager or this VP or whatever. They'll It'll kind of get brought up over and over again. So just look, do your homework when you're looking at places to interview. If it's a, a large company or someplace that you could potentially get a feel for it, just check it out. It may, may bring up nothing, but it may also alert you to something that you know, you can't see just looking at their website, like this person is terrible, or these, these people think they run the company, even though they're not the owners or whatever. So
3: yeah, I think know. common threads, that's in my experience, that's the best thing to look for for sites like that. Because like you said, individuals tend, people tend to go there if they have bad things to say. But usually, if they're multiple, like a large number of people complaining about the same thing, there's usually some truth behind it.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. Okay, for real life, Red flags! Don't go to the all-you-can-eat sushi place with a with a rotating thing oh, at like eleven thirty. No, no, oh, no, no, no. Don't, okay. don't, just don't go early. <laughs> okay. Because you know, then, yeah, go late. Go like twelve thirty or one. Because then you know it's got to have a lot of time. Fresh. Little, like. Fresh, do they fresh.
3: keep? Do they keep the like the? How do they keep the conveyor cold? Because I imagine you at least got to keep the sushi a little bit chilled right i don't know Do I, go I don't
2: a, know go, I... go go at 12 30 is what i'm saying <laughs> <laughs> i don't know they've told that, <laughs> yeah, that problem i don't think though. No. doesn't
0: seem cold <laughs> good life advice that's how you avoid food poisoning <laughs> exactly. yeah. so true yeah
2: and also like don't don't eat what is it if you go to a coffee shop on a sunday don't eat the pastries because they've been there since friday they're they're old like monday is the day when you get pastries at a coffee shop
3: I had a friend, so I I live in Lansing, which is right in the middle of Michigan. And I had a friend who refused to eat sushi in Lansing because his argument was this fish has got to come from quite a ways away. So I'm just not touching it. Mm -hmm. I'll I'll wait till I go to someplace closer to like big bodies of water before I touch the sushi.
0: Yeah, I can see that. That's pretty fair. I,
2: I think I got that worked out, but okay. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Well, with that life advice, it is time to move (laughs) into our next segment of Picks.
2: Hey,
1: folks, if you love this podcast and would like to support the show, or if you wish you could listen without the sponsorship messages, then you're in luck. We're setting up new premium podcast feeds where you can get all of the episodes released after Christmas 2020 without the ads. Signing up will help us pay for editing and production, and you can go sign up at devchat.tv slash premium.
0: So I will kick us off for this week. This is actually a tech pick that I, I've i used recently in a side project. And so I wanted to talk about it because it kind of was at top of mind. But it is, and it's it's one of our previous guests. It is React Table by Tanner Lindsley, mm. who we had on oh, one yeah. of our previous episodes. And he is a prolific creator of OSS software, but also not only because it it's just Good quality stuff, but also because he likes to use his own software for his own company. But I had a need for a table and I didn't want to bring in a whole component library just for a particular table like Bootstrap or Material or one of those. So I looked at React Table, which is a completely headless table system. So it just gives you a series of hooks and then you can style your table however you want but it includes all the bells and whistles that you want like pagination and page size and being able to combine different data inputs into a single cell and all sorts of stuff like that really pretty simply so i would highly recommend that if you need tables and you know it's got great examples really good documentation and anything that you can't find a direct example for in the docs you can probably ask on Twitter and Tanner very well might respond to you because he's quite active. So if there's something that you can't find the answer to and you ask around, he might just code up something custom for you as an (laughs) example.
2: (laughs) Yeah, he does a lot of that where it will go and build the example and then put that back into the docs is fantastic. And his other projects are great too, like React Location, React Query. Mm -hmm. Phenomenal. So good.
0: All of his stuff is great and it has great SEO because it's React XYZ and he just owns it. So, React Table is going to be my pick for this week. Awesome. Jack, would you like to give us a pick? Sure.
2: So, again, a technical one, I'll, I'll pick in uh, Redwood.js, which is just out, and it's 1.0. Again, it's like the kind of, it's a complete end to end stack. So, it's got the database stuff, it's got auth, it's got you know, pretty much everything you need to build out an app. And then there's actually, it's quite a bit of movement in this space. There's uh, Remix Run. Just came out with stacks, which there are three. I guess there's a blues, or something else. And they're all named after like like musical styles. But basically, same kind of idea. You you get all of the out of the box, all the way through to deployment level of setup, right? And so if if you are if you have an idea, or if you are building something out for your company. I think these are fantastic starter points that have a lot more to go on initially than Next.js, right? Next.js is going to leave you with a bunch of stuff to figure out. Now, are you going to use Prisma? Are you going to use this? Are you going to use that? No, no, no. These ones, they've decided everything. You're good to go. And if that's you, that's great. I think that's a good way to go.
0: Nice. Very cool. TJ, what do you have for us?
3: So I've got a non-technical pick. I'm going to pick Mario Kart. And (laughs) specifically... They just came out with a DLC, I think it's, I I had to look up the name, a Booster Course Pass, which of course costs money, and of (laughs) course it's just a ploy to get you to to spend more money and go into a game that you haven't touched in a while, because Mario Kart 8 has been out for quite a while, but it totally worked on me, I spent the like 25 bucks, I went in and I enjoyed the new courses. So, you know, oh, yeah. I'm I'm I guess I don't know if I'm part of the problem or whatnot, but <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It's they just added some new courses. They they did it in a way too where they're they're releasing new courses in waves, which again is like kind of silly. Like I oh. right because it means you you can only play eight new courses and then in another couple months they're gonna put in eight more new ones. Hmm. You buy the pass once and you get the courses when they come out. So it's like I said, it's clearly a ploy to get you like to keep coming back to the game but yeah eh, it was only 25 bucks and the courses were fun and i got to reopen and play a game with my kids that i really like so i had a fun time with it so if you're if you're a mario kart person i don't think you'll be disappointed with it it's well worth the money
2: are you are your kids at the age where you're winning against your kids or your kids the age where you're losing against
3: Oh, I, oh, I'm still beating them, um, oh, okay, but okay, it's, okay, all right. but they're to the point now where like, I, I can't fool around. Like I, I can't just like uh, casually beat them. Like I have to really focus. <laughs> okay. And I, all right. I look forward to the days. There's some games now where they can challenge me, but I've never been a let my kids win sort of person. I try to beat them into submission at everything, yeah. figuring that once they can beat me, which they're getting close in a lot of things, it'll be that much more satisfying. Are they
2: drifting? Because there's no way to win Mario
3: Kart unless they drift. Without a
2: good
3: drift. (laughs) They they do drift. Their technique though, I think the thing that comes from playing Mario Kart for way too many years is like really (laughs) really positioning those drifts occasionally. Like right, they get the right angle on those those corners and like that. That just doesn't come from a couple sessions. Like you really have to dedicate a a depressing amount of your life to to get good at that.
2: And you gotta white knuckle the drift. You can't let go early. Like, you uh, got to let it go. You got to commit. And yeah. You got to commit, and you got to get that full charge. And then when you let it go, it's like, bah, boom.
3: <laughs> Although, I'll say that, so one feature the new Mario Kart lets you do is you can race against, you've always been able to race against, like, ghosts, right? So you have your mm-hmm. best time on the track, and then yeah. the ghost shows. Well, in the new one, you can download, like, the world record ghost. And if you ever, if you ever really want to be humbled and you think you're good at <laughs> Mario Kart, just go, go to one course, download the ghost from the world record, and watch it like disappear into the distance within like three quarters you can't even see (laughs) the the ghost it's like oh well i thought i was good at mario kart but apparently i'm not that good
0: (laughs) solid i'm definitely gonna get that because we have mario Kart. i always love new tracks those are fun yeah (laughs) well cool Thanks everybody for joining us for this special panelist episode. We hope that you got some good tips for when you're job hunting or evaluating new technology or just trying to decide is this a good team to to join. So or we'll is this you.
3: sushi okay to eat,
2: right? Like, right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs>
0: exactly. <laughs> so we Stop will telling you it's important. <laughs> <laughs> see you on the next episode of React Roundup.
2: All right. Bye everybody. Always a pleasure. Happy to be here.